1: Well, we said that City couldn't go until the end of the season winning every game, so at least they've chosen to go AWOL in the one where they can have a second chance. In the week that Pep Guardiola's side made the FA Cup final, they've given themselves an uphill task in the Champions League. The quadruple is still on, but there's now a bump in the road. On today's Blue Moon podcast, we're looking at the errors that were made at White Hart Lane and asking how City can turn it around in the second leg. How crucial is the lack of an away goal? Is their record in the Champions League knockout stage is now beginning to be a concern. Did the manager again tie? himself up in knots. All the answers to those questions are coming up Tickets are hot on the agenda as well, with the announcement that it could cost you up to £145 per person for the FA Cup final, and you might not even be able to get home afterwards. Former City board member Chris Bird is also on the show, talking about life at Main Road in the late 90s and early noughties, and will take your questions as well. So with all of that to come, plus an FA Cup semi-final to review, we better get cracking. I'm your host, David Mooney, and with me in the studio is ESPN's Jonathan Smith. Hello. And former City striker Leon Mike. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. So, uh, So, yeah, it's been... It's been a strange week, John. Um how's how's it looking now in the uh, in the overall picture? Where do you rate City's week because I mean uphill task in the Champions League but made an FA Cup fi- uh, made the FA Cup final.
2: Yeah, uh, well the the quadruple is still on. It was start of the week, it still is on now. Um and like you said in in introduction it, it was a huge ask to think they could win 15 games on the trot and if you're going to lose one, this this was probably the one to lose. Um there's a lot. There's a lot of negatives about that performance, but I, you know, overall, I don't think everyone can get too negative just yet.
1: Well, Leon, the the lack of an away goal could be a problem, could it?
3: It could be if um, this was City of maybe 15 years ago, but this City team scores goals, um, especially at home, um, and I think Spurs will do well not to concede three at least um, on the night next week, and that's just me being honest. I, I, I think City at home going through it and, I, and I, a lot's been made about the decisions Pep made and people have sort of looked back at the history of the Champions League and the decisions he's made and, and sort of comparing it to, to last week or this week. Um, For me, I'm, I'm looking at it thinking, is he playing a bit of a rope-a-dope? Because don't they play Spurs three times?
1: It's too many times. Too, Whatever right. it is, it's too many yeah. times. Yeah. So
3: for me, if there was one game you would want to lose against Spurs, it would be that one. You don't want to lose the one in the league and you don't want to lose the one at home in the Champions League. So if there was one they were going to lose, it would be that one. And, you know, everyone said that Kevin De Bruyne didn't play and Sally didn't play. Well, they've been rested for 90 minutes, so I guess watch them go at the weekend or next week. How on is
2: the quadruple, John? Well, I think it's still a huge, huge ask, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 an achievement to still be in in with a shout of it, but... Winning the Champions League, you know, you've never won the Champions League, so to think you can win it and the other three trophies as well is a big ask. It, it, it's still on, so while it's still on, it's still possible. So, um, but you know, if they're going to win the Champions League, they've got to be. Spurs are a good team. Okay, they, I think the, I think they could well knock them out. And then you've got Juventus or Ajax, and then you've got Barcelona or you know Liverpool or but probably Barcelona. You know, it's. it's, it's, it's <laughs> That's a you're beating the best teams in the world there. If you're going to win the Champions League, and and City are in, are in with the chance of it. So in I mean in terms of uh, of the game
1: on on Tuesday night, uh, Leon said about Guardiola's tactics. Did did he overthink it? Do you think?
2: Well, I I agree with Leon to what you're saying there because you, City are playing three. Uh, they've got three games, and you you can't approach the three games in the same way because Pochettino has a great manager of himself, and he'll and he'll come up with his own plans and stuff like that. So one nil's not a great result. Uh, it's not a disaster, you know, you you look at the way that Guardiola's ap- approached the game, now Pochettino's got to prepare his team to come to the Etihad, and what's he going to be thinking, that's an awkward scoreline for him to go into the game, does he, you know, he can't sit back and, uh, he can't sit back against City, because they'll get battered, so they're going to have to come out and play, and if they come out and play, they can get battered, so it's, yeah, it's 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 not a disaster, a 1-0 defeat.
1: Leon, do you, do you have any concerns about Guardiola's record in the knockout stages, especially at City, given that, I mean, we look at, at the times when he's had a good opposition against him, mm-hmm. you know, Monaco, Liverpool. Yeah. It's just things have fallen apart at, at crucial stages, and it's not been over the course of the whole game. It's mm-hmm. been in, in short spells in those games that's cost them.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's again a lot being made about it. Someone said the other day he's never won the Champions League without Leonel Messi which, OK, is a, is a fair assessment. Um, but when you say things like that, you're taking away from someone who's, you know, his achievements in the game, not with just Man City, but with the, the other teams he, he's been with. Um, look, I think I think what, what City fans and everyone around City needs to do at the minute is just focus on the game by game. I think once you start talking about the quadruple and is it on and can we do it and you, you, you lose focus, um, focus on the next game. Um, next game is most important. The next game is the one that's going to get you to the next one, and the next one until there are no more left. Um, now, to win a quadruple takes an unbelievable amount of effort and an astronomical amount of luck.
1: Well, that's. I mean, it's never been done before. It's never been in English, done before in English football. So that. Um, I mean, that tells you.
3: And I remember, obviously, when United won the, the, the treble that year, they. I mean. They weren't favourites in all the competitions that they were playing, and you know, they'd, Beck, uh, David Beckham had had a, a bad World Cup and come back and been been hammered by the press and by a lot of um, English English supporters. So, and the season didn't start. I think they drew two all at, at home with Leicester on the opening day of the season. So that season actually didn't go, you know. Really smoothly. You hit bumps and, and the scrapes, and that's what City are going to do. They're going to hit bumps and scrapes, but it's your ability as a team and ability as, a manager, as a manager to galvanise the players and go again in the next game, and that's what the boys have got to do.
1: John, do you think Guardiola gets caught in a little bit of a kind of a self fulfilling prophecy in these these sorts of games? Because I, I just wonder about his starting 11 for that for that Spurs game. He, he said in his press conference afterwards he wanted two holding midfielders in there, and if it was a league game, I don't think he would have done.
2: No, uh, yeah, but you, the, sort of the answer's in the question there. It's not a league game, is it? It's a cup game, so you can you can't win. Well, it's very difficult to win that tie at White Hart Lane. Uh, well, whatever it's called, in Tottenham Hotspur I Stadium. No, I think it's called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's very, very nice, by the way. Very nice. Um, you can lose it badly, can't you? Um, so he wanted a bit more control of the ball. You know, you go you go back to the uh, league game at Anfield, uh, where. He he was a little bit more cautious there, but they controlled that game. Liverpool never ever looked like scoring, and there were Amari's penalty away from winning that game. If Sergio puts that penalty away, then it looks like a a, a tactical masterstroke, doesn't it? In
1: terms of that sort of issue, though, it's it, it's one thing that that concerns me is that if Guardiola goes more defensive because of his of his maybe his record in the knockout stages of the Champions League. That could invite more pressure on, and in, in, in that sort of sense, if he goes with the more combative players, that, that you know to, to get the foot stuck in, then it kind of it creates a combative match, and
2: we saw something like that in the end. Yeah, but the, the last two Champions League ex- exits, they've conceded three goals away from home uh, because you're playing a much better team, a higher standard, huge atmospheres. Uh, well, perhaps not at Monaco, but certainly at Anfield, um, and uh, you're better off. Losing one nil and you are losing three one and yeah it, it turned into a bit of a of, of a scrap in the end and they showed they were up for it and yeah, you know, they were very close to getting a nil nil it was a bit it was a poor goal to concede wasn't it that's that's the only that's the biggest disappointment for the night I think they could have created more they could have been more attacking but you don't know what what, what price that could have been.
1: Especially at 1-0, Leon, were you surprised that, that Sane and, and De Bruyne didn't come on any sooner than than about the 87th, 88th minute? Yeah,
3: like everyone else I was, but in retrospect, and looking at it, um, sort of looking back at it, he's he's got to be resting them. You know, you've got a lot, you're still, like you say, you're in every competition at the minute. You've got a lot of games to come. I think he's looked at it and and, and he's looked at that Spurs game this week and said, that's the one, if any, I can lose and be okay because it doesn't affect us in the league. We get a second chance at the Etihad and I've got De Bruyne and Sane who have been rested and are ready to come again. Don't forget, De Bruyne's had a couple of really bad injuries recently, so he needs he needs feeding back in. He can't be just thrown back in and, you know, be called the, the, the great hope. He has to feed him back in and make sure that when that title running comes, when there's two or three games left, De Bruyne is around because he's going to make the difference.
1: Have you rated Mares Because he's, he's coming for a bit of flack, but I actually thought at Spurs he, he wasn't too bad.
3: It's gonna take a while. I think he's he's. When I watch City play, I don't look at Maraz and think he's a City player in the mould of, of what they've been doing in the last four, five, six years. He's a player who was a big fish in a little pond at Leicester, and that's no disrespect to Leicester, but he was you know their top man for a good few years, and he's now come to City where he's, you know, he's probably behind, um, two or three in his position in, in that pecking order, and he's got to find his way. You know. A, Bernardo Silva, he took a little while to get going. David Silva, as good a player he, as people he is forget now, he took a people top, forget yeah. he took a while, you know, the only player I can sort of remember hitting the ground running is Aguero, and probably because he's a freak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> John, I mean, Mares is a funny one, because he does get a lot of flack. Like I say, I don't think he was he, he was that bad against uh, against Tottenham, and I know Guardiola was quite glowing in his, his praise afterwards, but of course he would be, that's, that's the sort of thing he does. Um... It's it's an interesting situation with him and Sane though because it seems to be Sterling that's keeping Sane out of the team more.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure why, why Sane's not been involved in in the big games recently. I, I mean, on on Mahrez, I, Mahrez, I just don't think he's he's quite fitting into the City style at the moment because it, when he was at Leicester, he's a very instinctive, very skillful player, and you know, you didn't know what he was going to do. He was so unpredictable; he can go one way or another. He likes to cut inside and shoot, whereas. City have a you know a strategy where they like to get to the byline pull these balls back or is it fair to it, say
1: that City control games more than Leicester do as well and that could be hand yeah. you. you know at Leicester Leicester probably didn't have as much of the ball as he has at City
2: yeah but i think you know the the, the attackers make they they know what runs to make they're, they're done on the training ground and i think mares is he, he, he's not quite doing the runs that sterling does you see sterling's the perfect guardiola player because he he knows the runs that he needs to make um, and and Sani has been, but I don't know. He's just not getting his getting his chance at the moment. I, I, perhaps one one thing is 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 defensively sometimes he's he's not as quite as responsible as perhaps Moroz is, and I think that was part of one thinking, of the main maybe. reasons for why he was uh, starting at White Hart Lane. Uh, keep calling it that, whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you know, when they, when they need when they need goals, Sani is going to be key.
1: Leon, I'm going to pick you up on uh, Aguero being a freak because one thing that is freaky about him is, and I can't, I can't for the life of me work out why this is. I just don't feel confident when he steps up to take a penalty, and yet he's he's the most natural finisher of a ball I've ever yeah, seen. So, yeah. like, what is that? Is that just a, a striker thing? Sometimes you, you you don't look like you're going to be great at, at finishing it off
3: from from twelve yards. I, I mean, I, I can't explain it. Aguero's a top top player, probably one of, if not the best striker that's played in the Premier League. Um, so it can't really be explained penalties are different if he'd have gone through one-on-one um, and it was yeah, a exactly chance, one-on-one in that position he he'd scores, have buried it he scores um, a penalty is a bit different you have to wait um, it's a new stadium the crowd behind you know the, the, the crowd were quite vociferous that night they were they were at it so I, I, I can't explain it I mean Joe Royal used to say if you've got what do you say if you've got size nine feet or bigger you don't take penalties um,
1: why on earth did he? Have, did he do you ever get to the bottom of why he said had, that?
3: No, he just had a thing that if you had size nine feet or above, you don't take penalties. That's what his thing was. I I, I,
4: need
1: to, I need to work and out this why is, that.
3: And this is what I mean. You know, penalties are just it's man or manner with a keeper, and it's mind games because really and truly, from twelve yards, you've got to score each time. You've got to
1: a free shot as well. A
3: free shot, um, but it, it doesn't always, you know, pan out like that. It's, there's, men, there's a mentality to it. I'm not going to debate the
1: ins and outs of whether it was or wasn't a penalty because ultimately it's what's been given in the Champions League this season. We saw with Otamendi, we saw in the United PSG game, you know, in our heads they're not penalties, but every one of them has been. So I'm not going to, I'm whether it's right or wrong, that is what's given this season. But how much did the fact that City missed it on, and uh, just kind of deflate them that evening, John?
2: Yeah, it did a little bit. Um, Aguero had a pretty ineffective night and um I think it affected him because he thought this, you know, that's a big, big chance, and he's, and he's, it's not like him to let the side down. Like he doesn't miss chances like that, and he was a little bit rash trying to make up for it. He hit one twenty-five yard shot, and it was way off, and it's not like him that sort of thing, really. And um, it, it it just gave Spurs a bigger boost. I think that was the more the thing, and the crowd really got up after that, and then they sort of dominated the second part of the first half, didn't they? On the on the back of that, so.
3: I actually thought the fact that City played two holding midfielders meant that there wasn't a player closer to Aguero when the ball went, went up to him. And I think he suffers from that. He's he's an instinctive player. He likes to flick balls around corners and play little one-twos or peel off the side of a defender and receive a pass, you know, in the gap between centre-half and full-back maybe. And there wasn't any of that the other night. So I think he suffered because of the extra midfielder, the extra deep-lying midfielder that, that City played. But again, you know... You just watch at the Etihad. I'm telling you,
1: <laughs> the VAR, John. Um, when you when you consider that it's there in the Champions League for all to see, was Fernandinho a little bit lucky?
2: Well, the only replay I've seen is was in slow motion. I've not actually seen the instant full speed, and I think they can be a bit deceptive. But from that, it, yeah, it didn't look great, did it? It looked like he elbowed him in the back of the back of the head, and that's a red card. Yeah. On the flip side, though, was Kane a little
1: bit lucky because I felt Kane
2: was throwing himself around the pitch pretty Kane, much all night. It, it was a strange game, uh, you know. I, I, I like Harry Kane, but he had a a weird game. He was there was one instant where he he went in for uh, up for a header with Otamendi, and Otamendi didn't touch him, and he's rolling around the floor in his face, and the the, the Spurs fans was was chanting VAR. And I was thinking, yeah, put that put, put that, that on that the big one, screen yeah. because, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the incident with Fernandinho, I think that's quite a dangerous thing. Isn't it? You not know, when, you, he when started, you sort of it, it him over, didn't he? Yeah, that's the sort of thing that annoys people, that isn't it? Because you can you, you can easily uh, you dislocate a shoulder or something doing something like that. And Fernandinho was annoyed. Yeah, um, and Delph was annoyed, and and that was a. I thought there was a. It was Kane who it was nowhere near the ball, he, he, making a challenge he didn't need to make. And I thought he was trying to make him, make a mark on Delph. not not saying he was trying to injure him, but I thought he was trying to you know get putting a strong challenge, and he's en- ended up hurting himself. And um, and and Delph was, you know, he was he he went back a couple of times. He had a go at Kane at the time, and then he was having a bit of a. He, he was looking over, and he was ready to have another go. Uh, he was not happy about. He that. had
3: a go at Pochettino because Pochettino yeah. come off come off his seat, didn't he? And was was almost like, what are you doing? Why are you having a go? And he went you're gonna sit down or whatever he said to him. <laughs> probably um, probably not quite that polite. I think in all honesty, I watched Kane that night thinking he tried too hard. Um look at Spurs have got a new stadium, they're playing against City in the Champions League quarters, you know, there's a lot at stake, and Kane feels he's the leader of that team and he was trying to galvanize his left. I think the tackle that he went into with Delphi actually slipped. If you watch it back in slow motion. Just before he gets to Delph, he actually slips, which his momentum ends up taking him into Delph and he hurts himself. Um, Sometimes, look, we want players to be respectful and we want everyone to be able to enjoy the game, but understand what this game is. It's a battle. It's a fight sometimes. And, you know, just because someone's gone in hard on somebody else doesn't mean they're going to do them. It's just a moment in the match where... They've had a, either lost their mind a little bit or they've, they've slipped. You're um, far too calm for this. <laughs> he, he definitely went into doing. Well, you listen, we can, we, can, we can all sit here and speculate, but no one knows what's going through the player's head at that minute. And the fact of the matter is he's probably out for the rest of the season now. So he's only hurt himself, you know. Um, and These things happen. Um, we just got to get on with it. It's football. It's passionate. It's, you know, it's intense. It means something. And I think we should all be glad for that at the minute.
1: Now, since the international break, um, City's results are two nil, two nil, one nil win, and then a one nil defeat. They're not blowing teams away like they were earlier in the season. They were. They've been a, a few professional performances, and then obviously uh, Tuesday night. Is it nervy? Do you think Leon? Do you, do you when you when it when games are tight like that? Do you start to feel a bit of the nerves as a player?
3: Uh, yeah, you do feel the nerves, but I think more than anything, physically. I mean, some of these boys will have played, you know, upwards of forty, fifty games already. Including international games, traveling, being away from your family, it takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your mind. So we don't forget that it's it's not just the fact that you know they're not blowing teams away now. It's one nil. It's two nil. That's title winning performances when you 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 win a scrappy game and win it one nil, maybe at the end. Um, but you know players as we get towards the end of the season, um, you're going to feel your your body physical physically, um, you know deteriorate and your mind is drained so things slow down inevitably a little bit um and then obviously you have your moments like we say in the season where that bit of adrenaline spikes you and you can go again so i just think it's a case of that rather than it being um we're playing a bit differently you know it's just human nature with tiring do you,
1: do you feel the pressure on the on the pitch or do you just are you, are you focused as soon as the whistle goes that's it you're in you're in game mode
3: I think, yeah, I think where I used to feel most of the pressure was in the changing room before a game because it's you can almost taste how much it means to some people. Um, and You could cut the atmosphere in some changing rooms with a knife. It's it's that thick. Um, So I would say the changing room before, which we don't get to see, you know, as fans, as pundits, whatever, you don't get to see um, the lads in the changing room before a game, you know, the little rituals some of the lads might have. Um, I used to play with a player who was our captain and before every game, he had to go and throw up. It made him that nervous, but you put him on the pitch and he'd run through a wall for you. He was brilliant. So I think everyone deals with it differently, but I think that's where um, you're, left, you're kind of left with your own thoughts as a player. And we all know it's dangerous to be left with your own thoughts, <laughs> especially close to a game. So once you're on the pitch, I think... I think actually, when you're in the change room, what you want to do is get out on the pitch and then get, get going, out yeah. there and get going rather than being in it sitting and tapping your, your studs on the on the changing room um floor and waiting for the manager to do his team talk so he can finally get up and get out onto the grass
1: john i mean i i know I know you're speaking quite often as a journalist on these shows, but you are a city fan as well what are the fans feeling the pressure do you think <laughs>
2: um uh,
5: a loaded question because i am i am very much (laughs) feeling the pressure
2: (laughs) i think the league is is such that it feels like one mistake from either liverpool or city is going to be fatal um so it's i think it's less fun needing to win than it is you know hoping to win or i think that it's almost like get a goal and then and then just blow the whistle isn't it that's,
1: that's life for City though this is I mean I remember I remember going to the Etihad in kind of like 2004 2005 2006 and my general feeling going in was well 0-0 is a good scoreline at the moment so we're, we're starting off from a position where it's a good scoreline now 0-0 is not a good scoreline for City so every game they're starting off on the back foot Do You know, does that make sense Do you know what I mean
2: yeah, well, yeah. You're starting a nil-nil, and you and, you've, and you and you you're playing catch-up, to achieve up, more, you? Yeah, you, you've got to go out and, and get something. And uh, and I don't. And also, I think adding to the pressure is is the way that Liverpool have are getting their wins. It's been frustrating for City fans the way Larice doesn't seem to be able to catch anything or <laughs> saves uh, a penalty though, can he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or, or Pickford. It's, 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 I mean, I wasn't. I didn't watch the Southampton. I wasn't. I was out. Um, but you know, it was another. I'm sure there were a lot of fans watching that, thinking ten minutes to go, this could be a, a big moment, and then it bang, bang. Yeah. yeah, it can kill. It. Can
3: I make a point? Sorry, I think City fans are now out of their comfort zone. You've been in your comfort ten, zone ten years. Ten years, mate. You've, been, been, out in, you've zone. been in your comfort zone for so long because um, you're always the underdog. In the derby, you were the underdog for a while. In the '90s and the early 2000s, the underdog and. Um, you didn't really expect to win anything. Now well, the expectation is there. Oh, we have to win this game. We work. have to win the next game. But you know what? If you come out of that, if if next season you're fifth, sixth, you'll you you'll miss it so much.
1: Oh, yeah. no, You'll I, miss I, it. But, so well, this this is the thing. I don't... <laughs> I, I enjoy winning things. Yeah. I just don't enjoy the process of getting <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs>
3: it's like self-flagellation, isn't it? It's like, come on. No, honestly, it, it, there's nothing like... I, I love it. I you know, big European nights, big... Um, league deciders. There's nothing like it for me. You, you know, that, that pressure, that, even if you're not playing, that pressure of, we have to win tonight or we have to get a result. And if we don't, there's a chance that the other team that we're going up against might get the result and, and leapfrog us on the table. I love I love it.
2: I think that's the thing that Pep's trying to change about City, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He, he wants that. Yeah. He, when he talks about the big, big club mentality, yeah. there's still... Although City, I've got rid of that Cityitis a little bit. There's still, mm. you know, people still go to the game thinking, "Oh, I don't fancy this one. Don't fancy yeah, that don't one. Don't fancy that at all."
3: Yeah, you're torn. I mean, at the minute, there's a, there's a. What I see between the fans is there's a lot of, um, there's a bit of a disparity. So you've got some fans who have really gone with it and are like, "Yeah, but I love love this." And there's the old fans who say, "I miss the Kippax you know. Um, so listen, the more success you get, the more you're going to have these nights. And as I say, you'll appreciate it when you come out of it and you're not involved in a title race, so you're not involved in the last of stages of the Champions League, and you think, damn, I miss it. I can't wait till next season when we're back in it. So, um, yeah, you're out of your comfort zone, that's all, guys. But just try and enjoy it, yeah. Just enjoy it, as much as you can, <laughs> from one, behind the sofa.
1: One final word on, on the week's games. Uh, I want to take us back to the FA Cup semi-final in, in Brighton. Uh, two two incidents to, to note, really. The, the Jesus goal, uh, first off, John, what a goal that was.
2: Oh, that was De Bruyne, vintage De Bruyne, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely at his best with that ball. It was. I mean, you, you think of of Jesus has been someone who's not really had a run of games recently. It's not really fallen for him, and yet, you know, he, he got himself into a good position and finished it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I mean, that's what he was doing when he first arrived, wasn't it? That sort of thing. And, and he's still only twenty two. He's in a, you know, he's he's in a foreign country. He's he's. He, there's a lot of pressure on him. He's you know, he's he's got to fill Sergio Aguero's boots. Um, the greatest he's, striker the club has ever yeah, had. <laughs> he's, do, he's doing a pretty good job. Um, maybe his improvement has leveled off slightly, but I think he's still doing a pretty good job. And
1: that uh, the second incident was Emmerich uh, Laporte's clearance, um, because I for I, I was watching on telly. I, I chose not to go to the game, and I'll be honest with you, the ball fell in the box, and I thought, well, that's it, it's one-one.
2: Well, what well, <laughs> I was I was watching it actually, and um, it was dunk who won the header, I think, and just before, as the ball came to the box, he grabbed Bernardo by the arm and just yanked him out of the way. And as soon as he... I thought, right, all the way through that incident, I thought, this this can go. I'm not bothered because this, this, Cause is, con- will overturn this is not going to count in any <laughs> way. So... At no point did I think it was going to be a goal. So It was a great clearance, so he, I didn't give him any credit for yeah, it. Yeah, but Laporte didn't know that, did no, he? No, he didn't. He didn't, you're right. So, I mean, oh, goodness. <laughs> what am I working with here? I want to watch a game with you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hello.
1: Uh, right, so as we've said already, City fans can't seem to help but get nervous. With the hunt on for a quadruple, something that no team has ever got close to in the history of English football, the pressure is beginning to tell. Nails are being bitten and the edges of the seats at the Etihad are all that's being used. I've been looking at how the supporters are feeling as the games begin to come thick and fast. All right, admit it. Who's starting to feel the nerves?
2: I've been feeling relatively calm about the title race up to now, actually, but um, I think the nerves will probably really start to kick in when we play United later this month. I think it's probably helped in recent weeks that we've often played before Liverpool and the pressure's kind of been on them to match our results rather than vice versa. I am starting to hate myself a little bit for the way I always convince myself that Liverpool are going to slip up though. In recent weeks I've seen them concede goals against the likes of Burnley, Fulham, Spurs, Southampton. Every single time I've got excited only to feel crestfallen when they've somehow pulled the result out of the bag at the end of it. That's one football's Dan Burke.
1: Both he and City fan Richard Burns say they're not feeling the pressure right now, although Richard does admit
4: he's had his moments. I was at Leicester on Boxing Day when we got beat. It felt like another title defence going horribly horribly wrong but now we're in the thick of it and there's just six league games to go and we're still in there we've got an FA Cup final to come which means we're seven games from being the first English team to do a domestic treble and we're still in the Champions League now it's just exciting
1: that's the same feeling that pep guardiola has at this stage of the season too. while it might seem like the pressure is on the city boss says he's enjoying it
5: i feel the pressure in november december when you are away you know eight eight points and you say wow it's five or four or five or six months and we're far away out from one competition or not qualify for the champions League in that round but now now is the joy moment of the joy you know one when incredible moments when I'm more more relaxed because we were more because we had a lot of games.
1: This isn't the first time that City and Liverpool have gone toe-to-toe for the title recently. Dan Burke says he was relatively calm the last time it happened too. The title race with Liverpool five years ago felt a bit different to this one
2: in that we were chasing them in the closing weeks rather than the other way around so a lot of the pressure was on them. when we lost that game at Anfield, I thought it was over and then I think we drew with Sunderland a few days later and it really felt like the fat lady was definitely getting ready to sing um, that night. And to be honest, I'm still not quite sure how we managed to win that title. Um, I think Liverpool ultimately crumbled under the pressure they put on themselves. So um,
1: let's hope they, they feel that again and something similar happens to them this season. Whereas for City's first Premier League title back in 2012, Richard Burns says he was a nervous wreck at times purely
4: because of who City were up against. It wasn't just overcoming United because they were our City rivals. They were were the best team as well. They were the the best team in the country, the biggest team in the country. To fall eight points behind with six games to go, that was a very, very hard feeling because for a while it looked like we were going to not walk it, but it did feel like the only way that United could win the league was if City blew it and it, it did feel like that had happened after Defeats at Swansea and Arsenal And Richard says it got worse On the day of the derby The Vincent Company derby I just felt sick I felt absolutely sick all day leading up to it because everything was there and it was it was all or nothing that day.
1: Feeling under pressure at the end of a season is still a relatively new thing for City fans. Before the title successes of recent years, you'd probably have to go back to the late 90s and early noughties to get a good example. And what better example than 20 years ago when the team went to Wembley to face Gillingham. Here's then-manager Joe Royal explaining how they coped in the build-up to that game.
6: Kevin Horlock, who was and still is marvellously insane, was having a contest with... Jeff Whitley, to see who could stand outside the hotel longest in this tropical downpour. I mean that. And we're all just looking on from under the cover of the reception, just absolutely wetting ourselves at these two idiots to see who can stand out in the rain long enough. So it was daft stuff, it was boys' stuff, but it, it was good and it was all part of the pressure relief.
1: Kevin Horlock picks up the story.
6: I just said Jeff, I'm not going there, I'm going to stay as long as possible.
2: And then Jeff being Jeff, he said, yep, yeah, I'm staying out as well then. So it turned into a little bit of a standoff for who was going to stay in the rain the longest. And when we say rain, it was unbelievable rain. It was actually torrential. He
1: adds that the manager wasn't quite as happy about it as he makes out
2: now. Joe Royal was in the glass window of the hotel saying, get yourself in here now. So obviously then it was the survival of the bravest um, and Jeff went in first. But it was funny, I think probably Joe laughed about it now. He weren't best pleased at the time, obviously, we had a big game the next day. But they were the sort of things that sort of took the the tension off the boys. Obviously, the boys found it quite funny. Um, Joe pretended he was angry, but I'm sure he he was laughing inside.
1: Although Hollock's account of how it unfolded is disputed by Jeff Whitley. I couldn't even tell you what. I
4: think we we actually might might have actually walked in together Uh, over each other, I think. I can't, can't remember exactly that one. But, he t- he uh, tells me you went in first. Oh, he, he would say he would say that. He would say that. That's it all over. No, no. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think we up just walking in together looking at each other and thinking, what are we doing out here?
1: <laughs> but what about this season? When asked about the pressure it entailed, Guardiola said he'd been looking forward to an improvement in the weather, because that's when the joys of the season begin.
5: I thought so. the springtime is coming, but here the springtime never comes. Never comes, definitely not. But uh, no, no, that n- now it's not. It's a moment to enjoy it. The more try to play a final, EFL Cup, you know what pressure it is. No way. And after, you know, to keep running in the, I Champions League. No, 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 no pressure. At all.
1: He adds why he finds it easy to motivate the players.
5: They like to play football. They enjoy. It, so when the results more or less going well. It's easier.
1: Nevertheless, are the fans actually getting quite nervous about
4: how big the potential is for this season? Here's Richard Burns. I'd be lying if I said that I'm not letting myself dream about the quadruple. There's part of me that thinks it's impossible and there's part of me that thinks that actually it's really, really on. I'm just trying to enjoy it, you know? We've, we've never had a realistic shot at a quadruple before. Nobody really has in the history of English football. But, uh, I'm coping all right. We're not quite at heart attack stage yet, I don't think.
1: It may be a cliche, but the supporters might just have to take the next few weeks one game at a time. City could become the first team ever to win all four major trophies in the same season, and that will be an extraordinary and unprecedented achievement. But the very thought of the team making a mistake that lets the near-impossible dream slip could drive you crazy. So do yourself a favour and stay calm in the coming weeks. There's still a very long way to go.
6: We may lose.
4: Open up, my climbing in So
2: take it easy Hi, my name is Uwe Ressler, former Manchester City player. You listen to the Blue Moon podcast.
0: For a pledge of $2 a month... You can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
1: I look there at the pressure that City fans are under, and as we've uh, we've discovered already, it's a bit rich coming from me <laughs> telling you all to calm down because uh, I'm not uh, I'm not one for doing it myself. Um, so then, two games to look ahead to. Starting off with uh, with Crystal Palace. So speaking as, as speaking of pressure, um, how much pressure is on this game?
2: I think a lot. Yeah, um, you can't afford any slip ups. Um I think a lot of people are looking at Palace's home record and thinking this is an easy one. Um I always think Sellers Park's not not a, a nice place to, to go. Um Liverpool are playing after, afterwards so they need to put the keep the pressure on and, and get three points and uh, when you look at the fixtures that are coming up, I think this is one of the tougher ones. In terms
1: of of that going first, going second, we talk about it all season. Guardiola's sick of answering that question. <laughs> he, really um, is. he really is, isn't he? Um, but I mean, it does it does put pressure on the other team if you can go first and get that get the result because City would go four points clear.
2: I don't think it's necessarily the pressure. I think it's the boost it would give. It, if if City were to drop points against Palace, I, I just don't see how Liverpool would not beat Chelsea. Um, the other way, the other way round, it's it, it, it's on. A, I, I still think. I, I, I think both teams will win at the weekend, but I think it's, it's, the the key thing would be if City didn't win. I think that would that's when that's when the effect comes in. Yeah. So the pressure's on City to win. Then. Yeah, I think so.
1: Leon, when I mean when we talk about this again, we talked earlier. Did the players feel it? That sort of thing. How how what advice do you give to, to to those sorts of players? To the players going onto the pitch, just going look, you know. This is going to be a tough game, but you just need to get the job done. How do you how do you kind of get into that frame of mind?
3: Um, it's, everyone's got their own ways, um, and that's that's the hard part because a lot of people try to blanket it and say, oh, you need to calm down or oh, you need to relax. Well, some players play best when they're on the edge. Um, I, personally, I think that you have to take the emotion out of it, focus on the task at hand, realise it's a game of football and we're here to win it. I knew you'd say that. And I, I actually disagree with what you said there I think Chelsea will go and do Liverpool this weekend um, I think Hazard will be the difference and I think I think this will be the weekend if you if you don't win sorry if you win at Palace um, and Liverpool lose against Chelsea I think that's the league sort of tied up I think from there Liverpool will will deflate and maybe start trying too hard and all the rest of it that's just what's in my mind's eye of what's going to happen I like that I like that um, I like that vision I'm trying to relax you at the minute Dave. no I, I do. I, I think Chelsea will go and do a job there, um, and it's just up again, City can't be looking forward to the Liverpool game. I wonder what's going to happen with Liverpool and Chelsea. Just go and win your game.
1: Well, well you heard it here first, folks. City are definitely going to win the quadruple. <laughs> that's uh, that's the thoughts of Leon. Mike, well, I know said uh, the quadruple. They'll, 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 <laughs> Liverpool are going to roll over against Chelsea. There's going to be uh, the FA Cup's in the bag already, yeah. and uh, and they're going to do Spurs in the in the Champions League. I mean, in all seriousness, John, if if, if we're talking about Guardiola's overthinking, maybe for for the Spurs game. If he maybe had half an eye on winning this Palace game, knowing the result of midweek, is he now going to have to have half an eye on the Spurs game to before this Palace? And does that is that kind of knock-on
2: effect now going to be a problem? I think it's game by game, with game by a game and a half. Maybe he's got a half an eye on it, and I, I think he'll pick the, he'll pick the team to beat Palace, and if that means playing Aguero, De Bruyne, David Silva, the, you know the, the his best back four, then he'll do that and. And then he'll assess what they're like afterwards, whether they need whether they need a rest, whether they need. You know. I mean, the only thing I think is he's made a decision over certain injuries with Aguero and possibly Bernardo Silva. Where he's he's taken a decision that just no all, risks. Well, I will we'll be without them for one or two games rather than risk it and and maybe being out for the rest of the season. And that's that's probably the most pragmatic decision he's made in terms of looking long term. But I think you know it's it's win the next one. Then it Spurs. You know what you've got to do. Win that one. We will play our best players. Maybe, you know, maybe the Cardiff at home and things like that, where you can maybe take one or two. You know, I mean, it was probably a surprise to see Phil Foden start in that game, but it was a, it was obviously the right decision. It worked out really well. But anything that's slightly where you think you know this this the, Cardiff would have it would have been a miracle if Cardiff had, had beaten City. I think they were. Was it fifty-five to one? I think it, it was, was the longest odds, seasons. wasn't it? Yeah, it was ridiculous. But it was a, it was a complete long shot. Um, anything less than that, I don't think he takes any chances.
1: Guardiola's press conference will be on Friday after a lot of after we've recorded this, but maybe before a lot of people will have will have uh, heard the show. Um, do we have any indication at the moment about Bernardo's injury and and how long that's likely to
2: be, or is it is he likely to be back for the weekend? Or well, he, he it was a. I thought it was a precaution. Um, he had a, a tweak. He trained on Monday and then he tweaked something in training. Um, I, I, he, he passed by briefly uh, after the game on Tuesday and I asked him how he was and he just said okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's okay. I asked him about the injury and he gave me a thumbs up and that, that was all. He's, he's not going to say. He's not going to say, oh, it's over. Yeah, See, yeah. <laughs> <But> he was, <laughs> i no, but... He was walking all right, but, you know he's a, he's a, he's a footballer in his 20s it's going to take something extraordinary <laughs> to make him you know a, a small strain is more affects professional footballers more than your eye I. well i mean <laughs> i i I've, i'm i don't, i don't want to comment on my football <laughs> ability
1: but let's let's just say i've uh, i've played injured and it's made no difference to my performance <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> um leon crystal palace uh one of the few teams who have come to the etihad and won in the guardiola era um it's it's kind of a, a weird thing then for City going going there this, this season because that first game at, at the Etihad, Palace played pretty much the perfect game, although City scored twice. They yeah. still they, they still did enough to win the game.
3: Yeah, I think um, Palace are a, a funny team because they're a team full of Mavericks. The lots of Andros Townsend and, and uh, Zaha um, playing wide, cutting in. They've got the ability to, to destroy you if they, are, they have a really good day. And I think that day at City, I mean, if you look at... Townsend strike. I don't think he'll ever hit a ball like that again. That was... I don't know if he saw it, though. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that was ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I think it's going to be a tough a tough game for City. Let's let's not get it twisted. It's going to be a tough game. Palace will be up for it. The fans at Palace are always loud. They sing for 90 minutes. It's going to take, um, you know, you, your, your, the City fans are going to have to, you know, be just as loud for as, as long as, as the Palace fans are to keep the boys in the game. But, again, you know, we talk about Palace and they have got, you know, certain individuals that can hurt you. City have got probably double the amount. So, you know, look, City should go there and win. They should. Let's let's make no bones about it. They should go there and win with their second team, probably, because they've got such a good squad. Um Football is just not as simple as that always, is it? <laughs> I wish it was.
1: <laughs> really wish it was. So that brings us on to uh, to the Champions League second leg uh, against Spurs. We've already discussed the the lack of an away goal. John, will that will it matter? Uh,
2: well, it could do. Um, it's not it's not ideal. Um, I mean, I was, I was speaking to a couple of people and they were saying, you know, Spurs only have to get one. Well, it, Spurs get one. City more than capable of scoring three. Even if they get two, City can score four, can't they? So. Um, is a problem
1: is spurs, spurs score first though
2: yes it, it, it is um but i think palace are probably the only team that have scored twice at the etihad this season i think that's oh no, leon did as well didn't they um so it's you know it, you've got to think it's a, it doesn't happen very often it's a bit of a freak if if and uh, and the question is how does, how are spurs going to approach it from their angle what well, you know it's an awkward it's an awkward scoreline for them, whether they come out and try and get a, that away goal or obviously they've obviously got no Kane. Uh, Ali don't know Maybe doubtful, yeah. but he's bro-
1: confirmed today he's broken his
2: wrist. But They they can play on the break. You know, Sun's a real danger on the break. Um, they've got other players, obviously, that can score goals. So, yeah, it's obviously... Well, it's obvious to say it 2-1's better than 1-0, but it, it is what it is. And I still think City should see themselves as slight favourites.
1: I've got I'm I've really nervous about asking you this question Leon but it's but, but you know alternating between the two panelists this yeah. one's fallen to you. Mm-hmm. Um City have never turned around a Champions League tie. Does that
3: mm-hmm. matter? No. It doesn't simply for the fact again it's game by game. You know at, at some point they will. So why not you know next Tuesday or Wednesday whenever it is, it's it's I think we overcomplicate things and we look at stats and we look at history and we look at oh things have gone before and Guardiola's not done so well. Listen, forget that. You've got the best team in the country. <laughs> 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 Let's just get that straight. You have the best football team in the country at the moment. You should go and win. Now, for me, the big thing is the crowd. On that night, the crowd have to be with the team. They have to push them forward. They have to make it, not. you know... Unbearable for Spurs to be in that stadium on the night and, and you know, come and play. Um because the players are going to go try and do that, but they need the crowd behind them. Um, so
1: it's a deafening silence then. That'll that'll that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> no, that,
3: <laughs> no, that definitely won't do. It. No, listen, it needs it needs a push from everybody. Um but you're more than capable of turning it around. Is it is it
1: problematic for the Champions League tie that the very next and for the Premier League push that the very next game is Spurs at home? Uh, problematic for
2: in what way? Well, for City because I mean, yeah, it's you, you've ideal. got
1: you, you have to mix and match, and you,
2: ideally you don't want to. Yeah, um, that's what I was saying before. Why perhaps he, he called Pep chose those what were perhaps surprises in Mares uh, and Delf starting those games because if you start three games against with the same eleven players with the same tactics it's not going to you're not going to get the th- three same results or the same, mm. three same outcomes so he, he has to he, a lot of people have been saying he, he overthought the thunk uh, <laughs> uh, the first game and yeah he's just you've got to come up with a different plan for for each game i would have so, I, so I would maybe have thought. maybe he overthought the next 3 weeks is what you're saying is uh, it, it well is no possible. he's yeah i guess
1: just putting words in your mouth yeah, is all right i'm playing with you yeah. um I'm going to bring out another stat now, Leon, because you you know I I just want to try and redeem myself. Love stats. Um, (laughs) Guardiola's actually won every single one of his home quarterfinals in the Uh Champions League. Yeah. So I mean that's positive. It is. It is. Um, Sorry, uh, I I made that up. It's all but one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All but one. No, listen. I think um, I personally I look at the game on on the game against Spurs next week in the Champions League, and I think the wide areas are going to be really important for City. I think De Bruyne from the right with his delivery and I think Sane, you know, bombing down the left.
1: Is he going is is to play? I think he'll play, I
3: think he'll play. I do, I think he'll play. I think he'll go for it with pace, you know. Sane, there's not many you can handle Sane when he's in full flight. If you've got, you know, Sane, uh, De Bruyne and Sterling operating behind Aguero, then you, you're not bad, you know, you, you're doing all right and then maybe Silva behind them and Fernandinho mopping up it kind of doesn't matter even if you're off the back four as you know you're going to be at them so for me the wide area is going to be very important Spurs don't play wide players um, as such they play a narrow four in midfield and then their full backs bomb on if you stop the full backs you stop Spurs and I think you stop them by having your wide players push right onto their full backs and and put your deliveries in.
1: I'm going to cut that bit out and send it to Guardiola just before the, uh, before the game. Um, I don't want to worry you all, but uh, it's now been a fair few weeks since we last won on the charity bet. William Hill is giving each member of the team a £10 correct score single, with the winnings going to the Christia Cancer Hospital in Manchester. We're on £828 for the season. It's been on that for quite a while now. Uh, so let's see if we can get some good results this week. Uh, kicking us off, I'm going for a 1-0 win against Palace, which is 6-1 to and 60 quid, and then a 3-0 win against Spurs, because I asked you, both. Both individually, and you both said the two scores that I wanted. <laughs> um, so uh, that's seven to one, and uh, and seventy quid. Leon, what are you what are you having for uh, for Crystal Palace? I
3: think Palace. I've said uh, three one.
1: Uh, that's nine to one and uh, ninety quid. And uh, for
3: Spurs, I think for the Spurs game, I think I put two 0 Was it? It was two 0 because yeah. I wanted two nil, and
1: uh, <laughs> that's thirteen to two, so sixty-five quid. Yeah. John, what are you having I for, think it's uh, gonna, for Palace? I
2: think it's going to be a really nerve-wracking week. I'm afraid for City fans. So I'm going to I've gone for two one against Palace. Is uh,
1: seven to one and seventy quid. And three one against Spurs. Seventeen Oof. to two and uh, eighty-five quid. But the good news <laughs> is, if one of us is right for for both of those games, then City are in the uh, next round of the Champions League, and they're still in pole position in the title race mm. so we'll, we'll have that one for, <laughs> uh, for you please uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change and for more on responsible gambling visit begamblerware.org now these days Manchester City are a well run business the same couldn't be said for the club as recently as the late 1990s though with Main Road falling apart and the office block actually being a house in Moss Side Chris Bird came in in 1998 to lend a hand with the media department before going on to become City's Chief Operating Officer I've been speaking to him about his time in the role
6: I was originally invited in by Dennis Stewart to to look at the communications um, because um, Dennis and a number of other um, directors felt that there was there was not a lot of control going on with the media and, and it was leaking like a sieve. You know, a- anybody from the press could talk to anybody, um, so they just wanted a bit of bit of control put in place. And uh, so when I first went in, it, it was it was honestly like. Nor the business I'd ever been in during the nineties, because it wasn't in the nineties; it was in the nineteen seventies. You know the the way the place looked, the way people worked. They worked hard, but it wasn't that organised. Um, there were some areas of, of, of the club that were absolutely fantastic, um, and then there were other areas that you just scratched and gone, you know. They're in the dark ages, so it was it was quite an eye opener, um, and I knew that you know just going in and, and doing the the, uh, the communication side of things, I wouldn't be able to change anything other than get a bit more of of a, a strategy in place to make sure that the club communicated well with the media and with the fans. And the first place I started was with the fans, so getting the fanzines on board. King of the Kippax, Bert Troutman's helmet, Chips and Gravy and whatever they were bloody called, there was loads of them uh, but the two main ones was was, was uh, Noel at, at Bert Troutman's helmet and um, Dave at, at King of the Kipax and you know, once once I got those guys on board to realise that um, I wasn't going to mess about it was, you know I wanted to work with the fanzines and work with the fans um, it, it started to work out pretty well. When City were in the third tier and, and the, the deal was, was
1: there to be signed mm. was there ever a danger that it, it wouldn't go ahead if,
6: if success didn't come on the pitch? If we hadn't have been promoted at, at, at the Gillingham game the job was over we wouldn't have got the investment from Sky we wouldn't have got a new stadium it would, would have been impossible um, the Gillingham game could ne- can never be underestimated by anybody and I think it is underestimated by um, probably senior people at the football club now that that probably don't understand the history and the heritage and the passion of the football club. Um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people that have got involved with the club now, um, not the owners, because the owners are very savvy and did a lot of work on, on the history and everything. Um, Gary Cook got it, absolutely got it. Um, but I think you know the, the 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 chief executive that's there is now a very successful guy, but I don't think he he gets the the Manchester City um, heartbeat. Don't think he understands that he's not got his finger on that. And I think he needs to understand that, or somebody needs to understand it. Looking through those promotions
1: um, from the third tier, from the second tier, back into the Premier League mm. under under Joe Royal, and then again mm. with with Kevin Keegan. Yeah. As the club started to get more successful, how how difficult did it become in the boardroom?
6: Um, well, it caused my resignation. Um, I, I felt that the board that I joined, where we were the board that had a picture of a young lad who was pictured crying at Stoke. it's called Leighton Gobbit. And we sat down at the board and we had his picture up at every board meeting. And David Bernstein said, that will never happen again. We don't want fans of that age crying because we don't do our job. And that was the commitment. And um, I remember when we went up at, at, at against Gillingham and me and David Burns had gone on the pitch and we walked down a tunnel and we heard German, German. And we looked up, it was letting go of it. And he was crying. He says, I'm happy to cry now. And it was that told me and David that, yeah, yeah, this is the way to go. But what happened was as as we started to get successful, or not successful, we start we were back in the premiership, we were starting to win games. Kevin was very um very forthright in the way he, he was working, but Kevin was became very divisive. Um he worked well with John Wardle and David Making, but he, he started to lose faith in, in, in David Bernstein because David didn't seem to match his ambition. Um and when that split came between chairman and major shareholders, um that's hard to come back. And then I found out then purely by chance that um Alistair McIntosh had been trying to, to work behind my back to to position himself as chief executive, which there wasn't one at the time. Um and 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 that for me was was the beginning and the end because I thought well if you're gonna if you're gonna have a team then you sit down and say well let's discuss what's best for the business and if someone had sat me down and said Chris the club needs a chief executive you're not it but your role has to be that because that's what we think your skill set is then I could have made a decision but I wasn't given that 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 respect um and when I confronted the the board um Everybody decided they'd resign. So I stopped that happening and I said, look, this is, this is not about me. This is about how you've conducted yourself. So I'll go. You lot carry on. I'm happy to go. I've got all the things I can do with my life. And David Bernstein said, well, no, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll make it joint managing directors, managing director commercial, managing director finance, which never work. It would never work. And I remember um, going into Alistair's office, Alistair said to me, he said, if I had to do the same again, I would. And I knew from that minute that we could never work together. And I remember we uh, we were at a game, it was a home game, it was Arsenal at home. And I went, I arrived, I always arrived early at the ground. No matter what time we kicked off, I always arrived early. And I sat in the Kipax on my own, just looking out on the pitch. And I thought, nah, I've lost it now. My heart's gone. So I wrote my resignation, went into David Burns, he said, there you go. I'm going. Not right.
1: What What impact on the board did the transfer of Robbie Fowler have?
6: Um, it was it wasn't it wasn't so much an impact on on the board. It was the beginning of the end for the relationship between Kevin Keegan and David Bernstein. Um, I've got to say, David was in the right. Um, we were we were given a price for for Robbie, and. David asked me to go and oversee the medical. I oversaw the medical, and it was clear that Robbie was not fit and was never going to be super fit, um, and he had one or two operations that he probably didn't need. So when when I got back in the car to come back to Manchester, um, I rang David and I said, "Look, it's he's passed the medical, but it's not a great medical." Um, so David decided that he would ring um, Peter Risdale, and, and do a deal where it would be on games, which I thought was very sensible because you couldn't guarantee that the lad was going to be fit all the time. Um, anyway, he couldn't get hold of um, Peter Risdale. asked me to ring Peter, and it was about midnight that night and everything was, was fine. But as soon as Kevin found out, he was absolutely livid. The, the the deal had been done as a, as a almost a you know pay on installments, but it was the right thing to do. It was you know the club over the over the decades had got itself into some crazy deals um, and spent money that they didn't have. And David Bernstein was never going to let that happen. He would he would, he wanted good financial controls. <laughs>
0: Check out exclusive city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com.
1: Chris Bird speaking to me there. We'll have the second part of that interview on next week's show as well. And it's time for us the panel. Get in touch on Twitter at bluemoonpodcast. You can email us through the website bluemoonpodcast.com or get us on Instagram as well on our brand new page there. Just search for bluemoonpodcast. The first question has come in through Instagram. Base Force on there asks, who's the players that are most likely up for sale in the summer? And uh, I put that one in, John, because um, I mean, it, it feels like Fabian Delph is is the one for me that's screaming out maybe not here next season.
2: Yeah, um, he's he's not got long on his contract. Um, I think he'd be in his final year next year. Um, and I think anyone in the similar circumstances, possibly, you would wonder what's going to happen to them. I mean, I, th- I think the biggest name who you think. Could potentially leave in the summer is is Ilkay Gundogan in that he's not. They've they've spoken about a new a new deal. City want him to stay, but there's that is nowhere near being signed at the moment. And twelve months, you know, run down his contract. You don't he, want he to end up go in a situation free. where you can go for free, do you? Yeah, um, and you know he's the sort of he he seems very very relaxed about it. He's quite happy to to say look I'll. I'll see out my contract, but that doesn't mean I'm leaving City. I, I, I like it here; I'm enjoying it. Um, but his his next contract is probably his last big one, and he's a sort of he's sort got he's he's in a bit of a void, though, isn't he? Because
1: he's not he doesn't have a set position at City. He's not he's not the standout player in a particular position. He's very good at a few of them, but there are better players in each of
2: them. I, I mean, my, my argument has been recently is that when you look at Gundogan's career, he's had three very very serious injuries. And it, I just think it's taken him time to get that that confidence back in that you can still go into tackles and stuff like that, but that real, you know, that put that fear in the back of your mind that I could be out for 12 months or, you know, that, that I'm here, fit, ready to play for season after season after season. And I think he's getting back to that. And I thought he was the best player at, at Spurs. I thought he really controlled the tempo and... Uh, and was the most settled, most comfortable on the ball. Was happy to have it in tight situations, and I thought he played really well. And I think he, I think he's going to get more influential. I think he'll be. I think he'll play a big part towards the end of the season, and I think he could be a big player next season as well.
1: Leon, uh, I'm going to throw this one at you. Abdi Qureshi on the emails asks: Edison took a knock against Tottenham. How much of a problem would an injury to him be for the remainder of the season?
3: I think it'd be a bit of a blow because he's a big part of how. Uh, you guys play just the the threat of the fact he can kick the ball 100 yards uh, without a bounce (laughs) Um, you know just that threat puts teams on the back foot so it will it would be a big loss if he was to you know be out for any any sort of prolonged period of the season from now until the end
1: it's it's a weird one because Murich is is the backup goalkeeper Bravo's back in training but you I'd actually think Murich is ahead of, of Bravo now can City get another second goalkeeper in, or because it's one of those positions where you you kind of you can't be a top class goalkeeper and a second keeper because otherwise you you just go well
3: why aren't I playing? I think you could go and get um, if you look at someone oh, Begovic so someone like Begovic. I'm not saying Begovic could come and be City's uh, second goalkeeper, but someone who might be a, a team that's outside of the top ten, maybe of the top six or seven, um, who is. You know, a good shot stopper, commands his box well, might not be as good on the ball as Edison, but would be safe hands um, should Edison sort of be injured or anything and have a prolonged period um, out of this, out of the team. He, <sighs> the keepers that they've got in the minute are fine. Um, as second keepers, you know, for the 99% of the season, Edison's going to play.
1: Final question comes from Abigail Garner on the emails. Uh, After the flak that City fans took for the FA Cup semi-final, have the FA thrown them under the bus again with prices and the kick-off time for the final? John, I mean, I'd said in the intro £145 for the top-end tickets. It's it's a sad state of affairs, isn't it?
2: Yeah. The thing is, we've been saying it for such a long time and and nothing changes. Um, They're just not interested in, in, in fans. It's almost like a studio audience in the background for the tv companies um yeah i thought some of the flack that city fans were getting over the fa cup semi-final was really unfair and expensive late late kick off saturday in in london you know you can't stay over in london well the, what i'm saying is the hotel rooms are very expensive in london if you wanted to stay you can't get a train back you got spurs on uh, tuesday there's lots of factors why People might have thought, Do you know, what? I'm, I'm gonna
1: miss a miss. I'm, I'm got... not gonna lie. I I could afford to go to the semi final. I chose not to because I wanted my weekend. I wanted to have not yeah. not have my weekend dominated by the fact that I was going down to London. Maybe stay maybe staying late because of the extra time and penalties, and then getting back late.
2: Yeah, it's just and if you've got a, you know if, if if you've got a family, um, you know, uh, if you were to buy two, you know, two or more tickets, it's just it's extremely expensive and and, and very unfair. That you, have, you know everyone's said it from who support teams from the north that FA Cup semi finals shouldn't be played at Wembley. Um, and here we are. It's nothing. Nothing's changed. It's not going to change. I mean, the, I'd
1: also the, way, question the way tickets for the, tickets have for the final. Sorry, I'd, I, for the final, I'd also question. You know, that there are a number of was it forty pounds, forty-five pound tickets available in the category four. I can't imagine there's going to be many of them. There's only twenty-eight thousand there as, as City tickets anyway. I mean. When it gets down to the the lower ends of the points scale on the on who can buy them, there's probably only the top two categories left.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a very expensive do, and I've never seen heard anyone say, you know, I think this needs to change. They 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 always justify it in that they, they can sell the tickets, and that's at the end of the day. If you sell the tickets, then but it's, you, it's you, what you, the market demands, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's- you, you get as much as you can for them and you sell them all out I thought it was
1: interesting the FA's uh, statement on their own website said uh, that they uh, they'd, they'd frozen tickets as if it was a, a wonderful thing for them to have done and it's like well first off city weren't in the final last season so there's no there's no benefit to them on that and second off it's still 145 quid for 90 minutes of football at the top end it's it's not really it's not really on is it right so the games are coming thick and fast as the season heads towards its conclusion and we'll be back here in the studio next week to assess how the hunt for the quadruple is going fingers crossed it is still possible that this time next week. Special thanks to my two guests, to Jonathan Smith. Thank you. And Leon Mike. Thank you. If you'd like a little bit of extra city discussion, you can become a Patreon backer. It's $2 per month, and that will give you access to our bonus shows and regular blogs. Check out patreon.com forward slash bluemoonpodcast. This week's bonus show is about crucial moments in previous seasons where things have turned in City's favour, all because this weekend sees a repeat of the City against Palace and Liverpool against Chelsea games that swung the title in 2014. So go and sign up for that, and we'll see you next week. Take care.
0: was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
1: And we'll be back here in the studio next week to assess how the hunt for the quadruple is going. Fingers crossed it is still a possible... A, fingers crossed it is still possible this time next week. Special thanks to my... T- if you like a little bit of extra city discussion, we... If you'd like a little bit of extra city discussion, you become a patron... Oh, I can't... I just, I've got a, a three lines to read... <laughs> If
2: you'd like a little bit of oh, I can't do it either. <laughs> do you
3: like you're not you're not reading it though, are you? Do it like an m and <laughs> If you'd like a little bit of <laughs> Ah, come on.
1: If you'd like a little bit of extra city discussion, you'd be We've gone. I'm gonna have to go soon. It's alright, don't worry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is it still light outside?